Welcome to the Blaze and Bush Podcast. I'm Jeff Bush, and along with my co-host Jim Blaze, we are here to share with you authentic stories of God's extraordinary revelation in ordinary lives. Our hope is that like Moses in the burning bush in Exodus 3, you may encounter the Lord through these humble experiences. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. This is Jeff Bush here along with Jim Blaze. Jim, we've got a fantastic guest with us on the show today, and I am flat giddy. Jeff, I'm pretty excited. It's uh, someone that we've actually, unbeknownst to him, we've actually had him on our list along with the Pope and Pope Emeritus, but probably third was Father Chris Martin. <laughs> he was, hey, let's... Jim, he was on the podium, so like that's a that's a big deal. Top three is uh, that's a solid yes. place. It's an honor just to place. Uh, <laughs> Father, welcome. We are, as mentioned, ecstatic to have you on the show. I, I sense that there's going to be plenty of humor, plenty of laughter, along with some holy words of wisdom. So, welcome to the well, Blaze and Bush Podcast. Well, thanks. I'm 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 happy to be here and to. Hold up my third place medal probably, uh, <laughs> as, I, as I stand here. Oh, goodness. <laughs> with, with two empty podiums next to me still. But uh, <laughs> number three, number three has, that's, that's like saying, well, you won a race, but the two other faster guys didn't show up today. Right. Like, Congratulations. Right. <laughs> well, I, Jim, you had mentioned that we had had Father Martin on our list. And I got to be honest with you. This was about six or seven weeks ago, right before we were all kind of put on lockdown. And in fact, this was about the last time I've been outside of my house. So Krista, my wife and I were uh, in the airport headed to an event that was being hosted by Life Teen in Florida. And I'm going to paint the picture here because it is Lambert Airport in St. Louis at roughly, I don't know, 515, 530 in the morning, and I am walking down toward our gate, and my wife kind of pokes me with her elbow, and she's like, hey, hey, it's, it's Father Martin. And I'm like, I immediately start sweating a little bit, because I know what's going to happen. I've got to go up and introduce myself just completely cold turkey at 5.30 a.m. in the airport. And what's going through my head is, oh man, if I blow this, he's never going to be on our podcast. And this was like the longest 12-foot walk of my entire life. And I walk over and I'm standing a foot in front of him. And he's sitting down, uh, looking at his phone, probably praying, which is when I reflect back on this, I'm like, oh man, if he was praying, I totally would have stepped on it right there. But <laughs> So anyways, I'm standing over him and I, I go, uh, Father Martin? And you know how somebody might approach you and mention your name and they look up and they're like, oh, I must know this person. He looked up at me and I, it was like a deer in the headlights. He's like, all right, it's 5.30. Do I know you? Do I not know you? I've met a lot of people. I'm pretty sure I don't know you. Hey, how are you? <laughs> it was the most, it was the most uh, wonderful sort of hello, and I immediately went into sprint mode to introduce myself and let him know that he didn't know me. So, Father, I'm I'm appreciative that that airport welcome hasn't scared you away to this point. <laughs> no, it all, 
it all worked out, you know, but it is uh, <clears throat> when you're in the airport, uh, even as a priest, sometimes there's the, you know, you're wearing your collar, you're not wearing the collar. And so sometimes it's like, okay, is this the generic priest walk up or is this the, <laughs> I know you priest walk up, you know, and it turned out because I wasn't on that flight originally. Uh, I changed my flight. I just thought I could be with some of the people going down. So I thought I was like, well, I think two or three people will be on the flight. And then we were like half the plane. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it, re it really was. And it was a, a, a wonderful event. And it's been fantastic to get to know you just here over the last couple of months. But as I had mentioned to you as we were on this trip and in follow-up, our podcast, the Blazing Bush podcast, is all about how God has revealed himself in ordinary lives. And as much time as you and I had interaction over that trip, I don't believe that I really got to hear your story. And I know that Jim and I are, are really excited this morning just to hear your journey and how God has revealed himself to you and, and really where did where did faith begin for you? Certainly how did God lead you towards the priesthood? We'd love to hear if you're open to sharing this morning. Sure. Yeah, it began when I was baptized and a voice came from heaven that said, You are my <laughs> beloved son. I'm well <laughs> <It's nice. laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was, I'm getting confused. That's, that was, that's that was someone else. Yeah, I, 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 I <laughs> I read that somewhere. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I tell people, uh, I'm so I grew up here in St. Louis. I'm the youngest of five kids. We were Sunday churchgoers, Catholic by identity, and Catholic grade school. So it kind of just had the, the Catholic ethos kind of growing up. It was just, um, I don't know, like the faith was, I don't want to say overt, Again, more like uh, you just kind of marinated in it. It was just, you know, we said grace before we ate. Went to Mass on Sundays. I served Mass as a grade school student. But we weren't praying nightly rosaries as a family or chanting, you know, like as a family or anything, you know. Uh, so just kind of the, the normal growing up uh, with two older brothers and two older sisters and all the bumps and bruises that you get with all that and all the joys as well. The turning point. Uh, for me and my faith life really was going back to how you and I met um, when my parish started the life team program and really had a dynamic youth ministry program in particular uh, with one, Mr. Steve Allgaier, who's also still here in St. Louis, still works for the life team. And he was a recent grad from Mizzou with a business major, but just had a charism for discipleship and for sharing the gospel. And those terms weren't even really that widely used at that point. You know, I think as he's told me the story, he just said, I've had a conversion experience in my own life. And if I can share the gospel with young people to help them not make the mistakes that I've made and to help them love Christ, then, then I'm going to do it. Beginning with my youth group then, I started going to Mass not because my parents were forcing me, but because I wanted to. And I started asking the questions, am I Catholic because I was born Catholic? Or am I Catholic because I choose to be? And so I was really blessed that by the time I was graduating high school, I was already kind of convicted of my faith, that 
I'm Catholic because I want to be Catholic. I choose to be Catholic, uh, not because anybody is forcing me or just kind of the, the cultural norm. So again, a abbreviated story. I went, I went down to Mizzou myself, not knowing what I wanted to do with my life. And so I thought that I would uh, go into medicine. So I was a biochemistry major in a pre-med track, I guess, which sounds impressive, but I was a freshman, right? So I was still taking like geology. So I wasn't doing heart, <laughs> I, I wasn't doing heart surgery or anything. But uh, during that time, I was also, I volunteered to teach confirmation classes and would still go to mass at nine o'clock at night on every Sunday with a group of friends from St. Louis. And I realized that Sundays were my favorite day of the week. So it wasn't the basketball games, the football games, the frat parties I would sneak into. It, it really was Sunday. And it started to dawn on me that that was the truth. And so I wound up spending an hour every week uh, in between the class that I taught and mass would begin just sitting in the chapel waiting for my friends to show up. So I, I wasn't even trying to make a holy hour. I was, I call it a lazy hour. It's too lazy to walk back and walk back. Right. So I was like, <laughs> well, I'll just sit here. I'll just sit here and wait. <laughs> but, but it was, yeah, it was during that time that the thoughts about the priesthood uh, kind of grew stronger. And I knew at that point that I at least needed to, to go and see, uh, because if I didn't, answer the question, it would, it would haunt me. And so luckily I had a great priest, uh, Monsignor Butler, who then was still Father Butler, uh, who was the vocation director and whom I had known and was a, at that time a, a young, you know, dynamic priest as well. He's still dynamic. He's just not as young anymore, <laughs> you know, but I was able to call him and then, yeah, he walked with me uh, through the discernment process and signed me up and I transferred from Mizzou into the seminary my, my sophomore year of college and had some ups and downs and little segues even over the next eight years. But long story short is that in 2006, I was ordained as a priest for the archdiocese. Wow. That's fan. That's fantastic. It's, it's always, it's always wonderful to hear how really the Lord manifests in individuals over time we've talked to uh, your, yourself, and really this sort of reminds me a little bit of, of Father John Schneier's background, too, where it is this just progression. You really do sort of just sort of follow the lead that he has provided you, and really the, the faith takes over, as opposed to being sort of one real epiphany moment. Yeah, I, I think we all have touch points in our lives, right? And so these moments where it is like not necessarily as dramatic as the burning bush for Moses or the road to Damascus for Paul, but excuse me, Father, it's it's uh-huh. called the blazing bush. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's right. Carry on. You know, the translation that I use is outdated. Gotcha. You know, just, <laughs> you know we can have these moments, and sometimes it, it happens on. Uh, retreats, or sometimes it happens on like these conversations that we have with certain people, where and all of a sudden, like we're we can have an epiphany of some sort. But you're right that uh, the Lord, He leads us and He invites us. He He doesn't force us or coerce us. And usually, it takes a lot of time to kind of look back and see, like, oh, like 
look at the last two years of my life and look at the path I've kind of been on. It's the Lord's doing. That the Lord put this youth minister in my life. And the Lord put that priest in my life. The Lord helped me date the right person. The Lord helped me to you know go to this place and meet these people. You know, and so all of it builds up. And so it's, it's not like we have to jump into the deep end right away. But the Lord again guides us day by day. As you were making the decisions to move from Mizzou to the seminary, how did your family respond to that change? Yeah. Uh, a pregnant pause on the other end of the phone when I told my parents, <laughs> you know. Uh, a couple things. I have very uh, loving and delightful parents uh, who just love each of us and, and want all of us to be joyful and happy in our lives. And so I'm, I'm very blessed in that regard. However, what happens sometimes with parents, and this is something that I think it's it's fair to say my dad went through. My dad was the only child in his family that got a college education. He wanted to make sure that all of his children were able to also receive a college education and then to kind of uh, achieve, um, you know, every, every generation wants the next generation to be better. My dad really liked the idea of having one of his children be a doctor. I mean, it was, it was almost kind of like a, a fulfillment of the journey he began when he was 19 to leave home and go to college on his own and pay for it by himself and all these things and made all the sacrifices to send us to the, the Catholic high schools. And so when I told him that I wanted to transfer, his first response was, why don't you get accepted to medical school first? And then when you have both opportunities in front of you, then you can make the decision, right? Mm. However, he followed that up very quickly by saying, but you need to live your life for you, not for me, which like immediately gave you that freedom of saying like, okay, like I, I don't need to try to just live a life that is trying to win my parents' affection, right? <laughs> you know, that, uh, However, he did call back, you know, about a week later, very lovingly. And he goes, hey, I have some great news. I was doing some Google searches and there's a, an order of priests who all have their medical degrees. So you, can, you can do both. You know, you can, you know, so my mom just kind of went into mom mode. Well, what does this mean? Uh, how do you get you there? Are you going to be safe? Are you going to be happy? Uh, what about marriage? You know, what about the girls that you have dated, have expressed interest in. So just all those very loving like concerns uh, that they have. And then my siblings, it's a little bit of a gut check, I think, sometimes, because as we all know, faith is developed and fostered individually. And so um, I grew up in the same house as my siblings, and not all of them, obviously. Uh, I'm the only one that's an ordained priest, <laughs> you know, and... <laughs> They're all married, and some of them practice, and some of them don't, and some of them just have had their own faith journeys. But for them, they have to take on, in some way, the identity of the church, because now the church isn't something distinct from them. The church is their brother, in a lot of ways. So it was kind of neat to see how they all had to embrace that reality as well. And so instead of talking about those priests, quote-unquote, now it had a much more, obviously, personal meaning to be like, well, wait a second, like, watch what you say because you're talking about my brother now, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, my, my, my family, I was blessed 
by and large, extremely supportive, which is not always the case. As vocation director, I've seen lots of young men and young women that have kind of been kicked out of the house uh, or told not to come home if that's what they decide to do. And so it really immediately for them becomes a call to, you know, pick up a cross and follow me. Father, I, um, I'm curious about like that time in high school and you reach the point of even asking the question, is this something that I'm, it's just part of me, almost like a club that I belong to, something you're born into, or is this something I choose? Why, why do you think you were able to come to that question? I think that's such an important question of taking ownership of your own faith but quite honestly, most high schoolers don't even ask the question, or at least that's my experience. Yeah. How do you waken that? So I, I really do think it comes down to, you know, one of the big buzzwords in the church right now that's the very beginning. It's, it's discipleship that I had the challenge put to me specifically by my youth minister, whether it be, you know, some sort of a, a life night where, I want you to be willing to, to come up here and you're going to write your name on this cross. And that's going to be a sign that you are claiming it. Like your name will be on this cross forever because you're making that decision right now, like to, to come forward and, and to have that kind of experience reinforced and that, that gospel challenge really to say, Hey, like we can sit here, we can play miniature golf. We can play, soccer on the soccer field we can play dodgeball like do whatever we like want to do but at the end of the day what i was really being asked and then what we began challenging each other on is are you just up here because it's a, a safe place to hang out or does this actually impact the way you behave on your sports team and on friday nights and who you choose to date and what do we do after prom? <laughs> you know, like all, like all these. And, and so that's where it became more of the, the call to conversion that was kind of laid down that I think lots of people don't necessarily get that one-on-one -on -one individual challenge in their life. This was really the early days of youth ministry, especially in St. Louis. I think you were probably the first in the St. Louis area, if I'm, if I'm correct. How big was like your youth group and were you finding that challenge, not just from Steve, but from also the other teens or what kind of, what kind of situation were you in? Yeah, sure. I mean, so it was small and, and messy, you know, and it, and, it, and it remained messy, you know, and um, youth ministry really before up to that point in a large way was really just kind of like, well, just open the doors and try not to let them break too much, you know, like, cause we let the young people like into the building. When Steve Allgaier arrived, there was like 10 of us. There was 10 teenagers that really were there initially because our parents kind of said, hey, we volunteered to help chaperone this. And so you're coming. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, and, <laughs> and, and I even teased that, you know, in the, in the early days I was, I was duped. Uh, my life is what it is now because I was promised pizza, volleyball, and girls. That's not too bad. You know, all the pizza you can eat and some girls up there to flirt with. All right, I'll go. You know, <laughs> now look at me. It's like Jeremiah. You duped, you duped me, Lord. I'll let myself be duped. <laughs> so it started again, like just with 10. And, but then the, the challenge... And again, it's it's amazing for me to see it now that 
was given as a charism, I think almost like for survival in the beginning is now what the church is trying to rediscover. And that is, I want all of you to pick two people that you're going to try to invite next week to come to youth group. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, like as a 15 year old and a 16 year old, you're like, oh man, like I don't even tell people that I go to youth group, you know, like now I'm supposed to go out and try to invite somebody to come. And, and so even there, that little challenge of, uh, well, I, are you embarrassed of, of what we're doing here or do you believe it? You know, it's like, well, I don't know. I guess I believe it, you know? So I'll, I'll go ask the most awkward socially distanced person that I know. <laughs> Cause if they turn me down, I'll be like, well, whatever. I didn't really want you to come anyway. <laughs> so, you know. Hey, it's Jim again. You know, I'm the kind of guy that when he finds something really worthwhile, likes to tell people about it. So I wanted just a minute here to tell you about a line of Christ-centered clothing called God's Brand. I personally have several God's Brand items, pullovers, button-downs, a really nice quarter-zip fleece. They're stylish, and they help me represent my faith in everyday life. When you get a chance, check out godsbrand.com. They have all sorts of styles for almost any occasion. Again, they're at God's Brand, all one word, dot com. Check it out. You'll be glad you did. Yeah, so it, it just kind of began small, but as the group grew, the beauty of it was that then all of a sudden, you'd have these small pockets of friends at your schools, and you could hold one another accountable. And like I said, I was um, I was blessed. You know, I was um, my girlfriend went to Parkway Central, so I was, I was friends with lots of those people down those down the road, and I was a Chaminade guy, but I had you know a lot of other MCC, you know, like the Smith friends and Slew friends and Vianney friends and everything else. And what winds up happening is that we, we started having our own, for lack of a better term, like good parties, right? So like you you knew there wasn't a lot of moral danger like we we weren't saints by any means you know i'm not saying that but at least that we were all striving to try to say like we can we can do this without falling into debauchery without being worried about getting drunk or getting some girl pregnant or something like that you know and so just really starting like the early church to form um, another community of of like-minded people striving to grow in their faith well father does it find that go go ahead jeff it's like, it's like hearing the father and the son speak simultaneously. <laughs> I just wanted to note in that scenario how, how that rings true of the saying that you are who you surround yourself with. So not only were you influenced by, by Steve and the youth ministry that he did, you were choosing the community that you wanted to influence you. And, and I think that's an undervalued aspect of evangelization of, and of our spiritual journey. Absolutely. You know, sometimes I'm, I'm asked to give some advice, like, what, what advice do I give to young people leaving high school and going to college? And my advice is always the same. I said, I want you to pick two people you know now that are going to be there that are going to hold you accountable and that you can do the same for them. Because if not, the spiritual gravity, right, <laughs> of the yeah. community will swallow you alive. That's why Jesus sent them out two by two yeah. uh, so, that, so that you can remind one another, hold one another accountable because it's, it's, if you go out solo, well then, I mean, 
be like a deer separated from the herd. It's not going to be long before you get picked off in some way. Well, and I think that's sage advice too for adulthood. So many adults grow up in the Catholic faith. When they're younger, they're learning the faith and they're learning Catholicism. And they're, mm-hmm. But there's a lot of adults, I think, that when they look at their friends, perhaps, or coworkers or whomever, you know, they're living a very societally driven life. And an adult can often drift down that societally driven life as opposed to grabbing a hold of a couple of friends or a couple of other couples and walking down this more faith-based journey. It's certainly, uh, I don't know, something we see often. I'm sure, Father, you see this uh, on a daily and weekly basis at your parish. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so easy to be swept up in the current of society that even last night, you know, in my parish, we started this little Wednesday night fireside chats, you know, during quarantine. So we sit on our back deck and people are able to text us questions, you know, just kind of sit there. And I, I asked the question last night, I said, what are some of the things that you're grateful for during this pandemic that have come to life? And it was amazing. It was more quality time with my family, cooking dinner together, Sunday walks, going on bike rides with my children. And I mean, it was just, it was this litany of gratitude that came out. And what I, what I was blown away by, I said, you see, this is what society and the rat race has deprived you of. Mm-hmm. And that's the current we need to get out of. Right. And say, hey, you know what? Maybe you're not going to become the next CEO at age, you know, 35 or 40 or 45 or 50 or whatever age it is. Right. But maybe you're going to actually be happier because the people that you're called to love, you actually love and they love you back. And you have other people that are there reminding you and vice versa of what's really important in life. And what life is really about, you know, nobody, God's not going to ask you. So you only made it to vice president, you know, like, uh, of the company. Like, well, that was, <laughs> that, <clears throat> that's a second place, you know, it's better than third place, but, but so, you know, it's uh, right. only second, you know, no, but really, I mean, the, the spiritual exhaustion, the emotional exhaustion, and really what I see all the time is the sadness that is right beneath the surface all the time. You know, so when I was asked to come to my current parish, St. Clair, West County, so it's West County Parish, and I would I would throw in all of West County and probably even St. Charles County into a pretty similar vein. They asked me, Father, what did you think what was your first thought when you knew that you were assigned to St. Clair? And I said, My first thought was, Lord, you have assigned me to minister to the rich young man. He has many things, but is very sad. They all kind of sat there, and I'm like, but that's that's us. That was me growing up. I'm a West County kid, right? You know, so I'm like, so I'm not, that's not an accusation. I think it's just something that we have benefited from the sacrifices that our parents made. Many of us are moderately to very successful in the business world but none of that still fills the heart and so there's still that ache and 
that sadness that we see in a lot of people because they say, I don't like, I've been burning myself out for 10 years and I'm still not happy. Like even when I got there, you know, so yeah, I, I don't even know how I, I don't even know how I got on that. But. Well, I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm listening to you intently, especially having gone through 100% similar scenario. I, I call it festering restlessness. Like I had all mm-hmm. of these, material things, all of the items that society says are good and define success. But it was a life without true joy, and it was a life without this just free and profound love, um, which could only be found in Christ. And as my wife and I delve deeper into faith and surrendered more and more and trusted more in the Lord, finding a a Christ-centered life and a Christ-centered marriage and a Christ-centered home really brought joy to us individually and as a family and tying this back into community. You know, we have changed how we live our lives. Um, And many others who are striving for a similar relationship with the Lord and similar growth and development in their faith. Like he's gravitated a lot of us together in this community strengthens. And I think draws others towards it as we're all seeking um, just this, this goodness and this joy. And, you know, God works in such wonderful ways, especially when he draws together in community and, I'd love to talk to you a little bit more. You you mentioned the fireside chats, which I think have been wonderful. In fact, I've been uh, a participant and, and a listener with my wife and, and our family on our end. And it's interesting, too. You, you can sort of have, as you guys are having the fireside chats, you know, the, the listeners and participants in those chats can converse via technology. And I was actually reconnected with some old friends that are parishioners at St. Clair, just as a result of being on, uh, being being a, a quiet participant in those fireside chats. But you also, Father, are a co-host of a podcast, a new podcast called The Catholic Arsonist, yeah. which, by the way, is a super cool title. Um, I mean, it's, it's no blazing bush, but it's pretty good. You know, there's there's fire in both. So, <laughs> which, which is totally on point because as, you know, as we, we talk about community and we talk about evangelization, you know, the, the Holy Spirit and the fire inside of us, I know personally and, and Jim, you know, we love to talk about God and Jesus and what he's doing in our lives. And it is just sort of sharing this fire that he has blessed us with. But to tell, tell us a little bit more about the podcast really what it's about and how it's going. Sure. So it's, it's in its infancy. So we're, we're still getting it off the, the ground. And as, as much as I love to dream big, I, you know, I really did say, you know, we need to begin by seeing our own parishioners as the, the target audience, right? So uh, one of the people that are driving to work uh, from our neighborhoods kind of need to hear, but, but the idea, it, it comes from, you know, the scripture passage, um, I've come to set the world on fire and how I wish it was already ablaze, right? Right, so, so Jesus is the Catholic arsonist, right? He's the one that has come to 
set the world on fire. And when I, it's kind of funny. I don't know if you guys got any feedback uh, from yours, but when I announced my title to the parish, I got a lot of people that came up and were like, I don't know, Father, like that's just, it has so many negative connotations. And I don't know, Father, that's, a, that's just a little too edgy. I don't know. And I basically came back and I said, I'm just paraphrasing Jesus. <laughs> imagine what people thought when he said i've come to set the world on fire like that's that's what i want to do that's my that's my mission any questions no <laughs> let's go so uh so the idea is not only that um, we discuss kind of topics about discipleship evangelization but that we also want to branch out and do what you guys uh, are doing right now and that is to even invite other people who are setting the world on fire in their vocations and in their ministries, uh, just to kind of speak about that and just to try to have people either find a new spark for themselves or to fan into flame the gift that God has already given them in their own lives. And so, what, like I said, it's still kind of nebulous, but I have my, uh, my youth minister, uh, Alyssa Norberg, uh, a recent Mizzou grad herself, uh, who was mentored and discipled by the Focus Missionaries. Uh, she's a dynamic, great, young, faithful woman. And then Shana Guntley is my director of evangelization, married mom, three uh, beautiful daughters. And so she gives kind of the the mom perspective, you know, that the person in the pew sitting there. And then you have the, the two of us, uh, the two priests that are here that we can give the, the pastoral slash theological input, you know, and so mine, I, I told them specifically that Alyssa and Shana are the two primary voices because I think it's important to have that, that female voice. I said that, especially as the pastor and the priest, um, people hear from us all the time, you know, so just come to Mass on Sunday and you can listen, but to have them add their voice to what setting the world on fire for Christ looks like and what the struggles are with that. And what it means not only as a church and as a parish, but for me as a person, that's it. So that, that's all we talk about, just that. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that you guys bring in with intent the alternative sort of personalities and experiences uh, of your co-hosts. And I, 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 especially as a lay person, not that we don't love listening and hearing from our priests, but you also love hearing from other people and how they are applying faith and Catholicism in their lives directly and what they're experiencing. And when you bring it all together, I think that's incredibly powerful and uplifting. I don't know if you guys agree with that as well. Yeah, I, you know, um, a beautiful example is we did one a couple weeks ago on Mary. So it's, you know, uh, for the month of May. And one of the simple questions that we asked and that we answered was, well, who is married to you as a priest who is married to you as a mother and who's married to you as a single young adult? Like what, what role does she play in your life? And so we can talk about the universal beliefs and theology that we have around Mary, but then when it comes down to the nitty gritty of what does Marian devotion look like, it's going to be different depending on your state of life, you know? So, so I, I was edified just listening to the two of them talk about it, you know? So, that goes back really to what we were discussing before. The, it's not enough to have the catechesis, the you know religious education, but to be called to that actual relationship and 
that really points to it is, well, especially in your relationship with Mary in this case, you know, what does that look like? And it's going to be incarnational. It's going to be, you know, in the flesh, actually lived out. And it will look different because you are in different places. Absolutely. And I mean, you, you touched on another spark inside of me. And I, I talk to people all the time about just what you said. Our faith is incarnational. It's not theoretical. That we, we can talk about and argue about how many angels can dance on the head of a pin all day long, right? And so you know, can they share space? And I said, but, but in the end, the, the whole purpose of what you said your podcast is, right? Do you see God in the reality that's right in front of you? Don't think that God is off hiding on some mountain somewhere. He's, he's present, always present, always doing something. And I think one of the greatest mistakes we can make in our, our faith lives is that we can dismiss it because it doesn't look like we think it should look like. So, I mean, how, how many people walked away from or walked right past Jesus because it didn't look like what they thought he should look like, didn't sound like they thought he should sound like, didn't have the military or political mission they thought that he should have. And so they, they walked away from the living son of God. (laughs) Like, sorry, like I'm going to wait for something better to come along. And how often can we do that in our own lives? Right? Well, you know, this just isn't as flashy as I thought it was going to be. So I guess God must not be here because I thought it'd be a little bit more impressive than this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's so really to try to embrace the reality and the incarnational aspect of our faith that nobody in scripture ever said, and I'm, I'm 99.9% confident that I'm correct, you know, that I've never seen a translation of the Bible where one of the prophets, one of the male or female judges, no saint that we know of ever said, oh, this is exactly like I thought it was going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody ever said that, right? But what makes them saints and uh, great mothers and fathers of the church is that they received the incarnation, the the reality of their lives, and they were able to see God's hand moving in in the midst of it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Blazin Bush Podcast. Be sure and check out our website at blazinbush.com, as well as follow and like Blazin Bush on Instagram and Facebook. Until next time, God bless.